Hey, this is the last coffee house. Oh my gosh, this wasn't my fault this, <laughs> this time. So for some reason, I recorded the last episode, and then when I went to edit it, Audacity was not. Like, the sound was all messed up. I don't know what happened. So then I thought that it was because I hadn't updated to Catalina, or whatever the most recent Mac update is. <laughs> so I updated, and then Audacity wasn't hasn't been updated yet, so it wasn't supported on Catalina. So then I was trying to find a new audio editing option, because I haven't used <laughs> anything else. So I downloaded this Osin audio thing, which is supposed to be like the chief rival to Audacity, and then it would not recognize my microphone. It just kept recording through the computer itself, so it sounded like trash. So now I'm having to record through QuickTime. I hope it works. And after it's recorded through QuickTime, then I'm going to have to edit it in Osin audio or some other audio editing. I don't. I tried using GarageBand. I don't understand any of that. So that's where we were. But we were on the, <laughs> the best of literature, the cast by Franz Kafka. Like I said, I already recorded this, so I'm sorry if my enthusiasm wanes for purposes of this. It's number 90 on the best 100 works of literature. Again, that's a hybrid version of best of literature, like 40 different lists of all the best. So it should be the best of the best of the best and say that 40 times. So this is number 90. We've done 10 so far. The author is Franz Kafka. It was published 1926. Kafka actually died before finishing the book. It was written originally in German, of course. And here's some, this is what somebody else said about it so you don't just get my view the guardian article by william burrow it was in the guardian it was an article by william burrows a review of it he says quote the castle is kafka at his most beautiful and perhaps his most emotional the trial and metamorphosis he says he wrote metamorphoses here it's metamorphosis maybe i miscopied him or i don't know the trial and metamorphosis are full of their own depth and their own complicated sadness but they don't strike the heart with the same poignancy as kafka's final unfathomable novel the castle is the story of k who claims to be a land surveyor sent by someone unknown for some purpose unknown to the castle itself an unknown quantity what k is supposed to accomplish we never discover rather than a narrative that moves towards any substantive satisfaction kafka presents the reader with a series of frustrations k trying again and again to progress his work but never moving beyond the castle's snowy environs end quote so mr burroughs at the guardian liked it quite a bit and i just as a general introduction i could not get into this book i struggled (laughs) i struggled to really get into it it was just tough to it felt too straight like too on the level there wasn't enough that was happening that seemed to feel like it had stakes it was mostly because it's more allegorical or thematic you still need things to hook a person onto it so that you're experiencing something it just felt like there wasn't a whole lot going on and so i think i just i tuned out because i understood what he was doing you know having read the trial and metamorphosis at some point and kind of understanding what he's, he's trying to get at from the beginning i just i kind of turned off so just the, the contents of the book these are i mean it's going to give a a survey of what happens so you understand the storyline but so first cage shows up in the village near castle he says he's a land surveyor that was summoned. He's told by the mayor that he was summoned by mistake and in turn offered a job. That sounds nice, but it wasn't actually really nice. I remember some exchange between them that certainly wasn't nice regarding his job offer. He, his contact is Clam, but the village customs kind of suggest that people shouldn't contact Clam. Everything's opaque. The motivations of the officials and the townspeople, they make up explanations that don't actually mess with the, mesh with each other. They kind of openly contradict each other and uh, there's a central kind of 
weird idea that the bureaucracy of the town's officials is supposed to be perfect. They're not supposed to make any mistakes, but it was specifically an erroneous summons that brought Kay there. So then it ends mid-sentence. You know, he interacts with a bunch of people in there trying to get done whatever he's trying to get done and trying to talk to Clam and that kind of thing. But it ends mid-sentence at the end. Uh, He told his friend that the book would actually end if he had lived to finish it, that the book would end with Kay dying and then subsequently receiving a letter saying that his case hasn't been processed yet, but he could stay and work in the meantime. So I'll just, I'll go right into some quotes so you get an idea of where it's coming from and then we'll analyze it a bit. Quote, it was late evening when Kay arrived. The village lay deep in snow, end quote. That was the opening sentence, of course, which I'm going to try to remember to do for every book so we can see that because I love opening sentences. They can be awesome. Quote, altogether, the castle as seen in the distance lived up to Kay's expectations. It was neither an old knightly castle from the days of chivalry nor a showy new structure, but an extensive complex of buildings, a few of them with two stories, but many of them lower and crowded close together, end quote. So just a nice little description there. And Kafka's writing, I know they had some issues when it came to the translation of this book. They had to wait and get a bunch of scholars together to really translate it properly. But Kafka's writing is pretty clean and straightforward. It's not especially wordy or floored or anything like that. It seems more grounded and a tad mechanical. I don't know. It feels like mechanisms functioning with each other or something like that. So next quote, are there supervisory authorities? There are only supervising authorities. To be sure, they're not intended to detect mistakes in the vulgar sense of the word, since there are no mistakes, and even if there is a mistake, as in your own case, who's to say that it's really a mistake in the long run, end quote. So it's this kind of double talk that's working against even the concept of having made a mistake, even though they they did and admit to having made it. (laughs) So, quote, with Clam, however, that's impossible. When he stops summoning someone, he's forgotten her entirely, not just in the past, but for the future too, once and for all, end quote. So again, it's got these kind of contradictory, weird, paradoxical things. How do you forget somebody for the future? So (laughs) it's like I'm actively not remembering you for the future. So even if I run into you and get to know you, I've put a bar on remembering you, period. It's a weird way to say it. Quote, surely Amalia couldn't be prosecuted or actually punished for Sortini's criminal behavior. Oh yes, she could, said Olga. Not after a regular trial, of course. And she was not punished directly, but in another way. She and our whole family. And now I suppose you're beginning to understand how harsh that punishment is. It seems to you unjust and monstrous, but that is not the general opinion in the village. Your view of the affair is kind to us and ought to console us, and so it would if it didn't obviously arise from misconceptions, end quote. A kind of indoctrinated populace who's expressing that this particular cultural artifact isn't bad, it's great, and you're just an outsider who doesn't understand it, and that's why you're suggesting that something that seems patently obvious, like somebody being punished for somebody else's crime, your criticism of that is wrong. Quote, the living room in Gerstocker's house was only dimly lit by the fire on the hearth and a candle end. By the light of the ladder, someone could be seen stooped in a niche under the sloping rafters that stuck out there, reading a book. It was Gerstocker's mother. She gave Kay her trembling hand and made him sit down beside her. She spoke with difficulty. It was hard to understand her, but what she said, end quote. That was the end of the book. That's it. Mid-sentence. I, and this is one thing, because I don't think anybody's ever sat to, unless he died pen in hand, nobody's ever sat down to write and stopped mid-sentence, you know, before they finished that sentence. As far as I know, I mean, you generally, you're going to finish a sentence or a paragraph or a chapter as you're writing and then move on as opposed to right in the middle of a sentence. So if Kay had, if Kafka hadn't 
said what he said to his friend, I would have surmised that he was actually doing this on purpose. This was part of the thematic, that it got cut off so abruptly and had that opacity even in the writing of it. But I don't know. I mean, it just seems a little weird to stop <laughs> right in the midst. Maybe he was just thinking about what she was going to say and hadn't figured that out yet. But anyway, so that was that was a quote from the end. My analysis. Now, it seems to be kind of about the alienation and machinery of the mysterious state working against you. Obviously, that's very similar to the trial. But here it's just kind of state bureaucracy and the, the people on the ground who just bought into it. And I think the most interesting thing to me was how much it was a precursor of 1984. There are aspects of like double talk and rewriting history, that kind of thing that seemed to suggest it spawned or influenced uh, what Orwell would do in what, like 49, whenever he wrote 1984? Because it's got, you know, the bureaucracy is perfect, even though there are clear errors, and they double talk their way around those contradictions. It's got the people who are completely indoctrinated and attack the protagonist for not understanding and spouting the indoctrination. This is kind of a softer version of it, but, and it's got the idea that it's never overcome. You know, the, as far as Kafka's stated ending to the book, it's not overcome by the, by the protagonist. They just succumb to the power of the machinery. I don't know. I'm more interested in it having read the <laughs> the quotes and thought about the ideas a little bit. Like I said, it might be kind of a, a bit of a lesser 1984. That's one of the most cited <laughs> and resonant books in history, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, I might read it again at some point. I definitely, I love Metamorphosis, one of my favorite books of all time. And I really like The Trial. I just, I could not get into this one so much. I didn't, as I was going through it, I didn't feel like, oh, I really want to go back through this, you know, and really understand it or anything like that. So it could have been some function of, you know, me not <laughs> just not being distracted or not being interested for some other reason, but I definitely had trouble getting into it. So that's Kafka's The Castle. I went into this whole discussion in the previous one about something incredibly profound, and now I can't remember what it was, and I can't listen back to it because it doesn't work. So <laughs> uh, that genius will just be rendered opaque by time and history and the wall between what is and is not recorded. So I, I apologize for that. I I hope all is well. We're going to be re again. I have that. I have a book. Sales have been trickling in, so I'm much appreciated to anybody who purchased the book. It's called John Shade Reads Aspiring Authors. It's a lot of fun. As far as I know, I mean, it's fun to me. I don't know if anybody else likes it. But it's just reading amateur authors and having fun with them and praising where praise is due. So if anybody's interested in that, it's only available on Amazon. And then other than that, the next book that's coming up is The Master and Margarita. That's going to be a good one. Like, seriously, that's going to be quality. So, I mean, the book, I don't know how the episode is going to be. <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. But the book is definitely quality. It was the most surprising that I've run into so far that I did. I'd never even heard of it before. So when I, I ran into it, it was like, oh my gosh. And then uh, I think I said when I previously recorded this, I'm going to try to do more books rather than making political commentary stuff. It's not because I've had any backlash. You guys have been great, but it's just, I think there's more substance to talk about with the books. Most of the political commentary, it's just, it's frustrating because it's really complex and it would be much more interesting to actually talk to a person live who is making particular political arguments. And if I can get some traction, you know, so this isn't just a drain on my time and resources, then I, I would love to get some people to interview on about political topics because then it's it's so much easier to just take somebody down their line of propositions that they're actually levying, not just this broad, vague, oh, I know this to be true, and just take them down that line until they realize that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's so much 
easier to do it live than it is when I'm talking to a piece of paper, you know, or I don't have somebody to bounce off of so that we can follow that that breadcrumb trail all the way to have some damn humility. <laughs> that's where it always ends up. So anyway, that's the last coffee house. I really appreciate the listening, uh, and we'll see what's coming next. Okay, bye. <laughs>